Another episode of the FPL Amateurs of Oz podcast, and finally, we're up to our last team preview pod. And I've got my good friend Matt Day. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, Q. Really excited to uh, talk about these games tonight. And these, uh, you know, these clubs. Obviously, one of my favourite teams is on the list for discussion. So, yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing. Chat some FPL tonight. No, definitely no. I won't punish you for getting too Spursy tonight because they are actually on fire at the moment. So <laughs> I'm not going to blame you too oh, much, no. mate. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, we might kick the first team off with Liverpool. I'm um, going through their transfers. You know, they haven't made too many signings. They've got Calvin Ramsey, a defensive player, which probably won't get a lot of game time, maybe cup matches, um, probably more of a one for the future. Uh, Darwin Nunes, which... You know, the biggest hot and cold preseason player I've ever seen. <laughs> he's the worst player in the Premier League, and now now he's essential. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like that at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> and um, obviously Cavalier as well, which um, I think you heard us on the the first part I did of Dan, where I said that um, Liverpool were thieving dogs for um, taking. <laughs> so, he did, um, but like, it, you know, like I always say, why why would he join Man United right now? Come on, Q. Well, why would he join Man United right now? We're massive. We're massive at the moment, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then obviously just touch on Mane. Um, obviously going to Bayern Munich as well, which is a, mm. a pretty big um, sort of spinner in the works there. Depending on how, obviously, they go up front, they, I think Jota's out injured at the moment, so they're probably going to have Diaz, Nunes and Salah week one. But just it'll be interesting to actually see where the extra goals are going to come from because we all know Salah's probably going to get his 20 goals, but... You know, is Nunes and um, Diaz going to be able to sort of step up and, you know, make the difference that Mane did last season? Yeah, it's interesting because obviously with Mane, you got, like, you know, everyone was sort of looking at him thinking, has he maybe had a bit of an underwhelming season compared to previous ones? But he still got 16 Premier League goals last year, which is phenomenal. Um, I think he got you know, 11 the year before. Um, and then previous years, he got. Uh, 18 goals. He's had a 22 goal season where he won the Golden Boot. So, um, you know, he's definitely a big loss for Liverpool. Um, will Diaz be able to get the same numbers? I'm not sure. From what I've seen of Diaz, he's obviously a really good player on the eye, good player to watch. But it seems like someone that, you know, he, he, he's got the tricks, he can dribble. Um, you know, has he got the same sort of eye for goal as Mane? Yeah, not too sure. I guess we'll know once he gets more minutes. And then, you know, Darwin Nunes. Um, you know, he's the one they've signed to uh, to get all the goals. Um, but you know, he's only done it in the uh, in the Portuguese league so far. But you know, he's a good age. He did get twenty six goals for Benfica in the league last year, and he did score a couple of goals against Liverpool um, at Anfield in the Champions League. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can replicate that form in the Premier League. No, definitely. And so, just taking a quick look at their fixtures. So, week one to seven. And week 16 to 28 are probably their sort of standout fixtures. But obviously, we've said the same thing with uh, Manchester City is that, you know, there's very rarely there's going to be a bad fixture, but they do have a sort of a tough run uh, week 8 to week 11. So they play in that week 8 to week 11. They've got Chelsea um, away. They've got Brighton at home. Then they've got Arsenal away. Then they've got Manchester City at home. So, you know, that's probably the hardest stretch of games, but the rest of the Mm. season, it's kind of, pretty much spread out there's not really too many back-to-back tough fixtures for them this year 
Yeah, their run does look quite good, doesn't it, at the start? Like you said, game week eight to a, even probably even 12 with the, the West Ham at home game. Yeah. You know, it looks like it could be quite tough um, from that eight to 12 period. But yeah, when you look at those sort of opening seven games, um, they're looking pretty yeah, There's not really too good. many. Like, I mean, four home games out of seven. Yeah, and the hardest game is obviously Man United, but we all saw what happened last year when um, <laughs> thought it was going to be a tough fixture and it turned into a, one of the easiest fixtures that they had last season. Yeah, so. and it's still a relative, in fairness, they've still put it as four on the um, fixture difficulty rate, in which, to be fair, look, you know, last season was probably a bit of an isolated incident with that that 5-0 game. I think it'll be a lot tougher for Liverpool this year. Um, but looking at those opening games, you know, Fulham away, Palace at home, you know, Bournemouth at home in the fourth game. You know, you'd expect Liverpool to, to win those games you know, yeah, quite comfortably. So. But then you've got Newcastle game week five at home. You know, we're all expecting Newcastle to be a lot stronger this season. Uh, yeah. Everton away, it's always tough in a derby. Um, yeah, so you know, maybe maybe some of these fixtures are deceiving us a little bit. But yeah, again, you know, you'd you'd probably bank on uh, you know captain in Salah for quite a lot of those fixtures again. To be honest, anyway, so. You know, we'll see how it goes. No, definitely. And sort of just touching on a couple of assets that I'm sort of looking at. So obviously the obvious one is Seller. There are a few people that aren't going with Seller, which, you know, sometimes making brave sort of stuff like that, it can actually come off. But I just think that I just don't see how Darwin or Diaz is going to be able to cover cover Salah. S- similar to people going Kuliseski over sort of like a Son or a Kane. Mm-hmm. I think you might have the odd week where they'll outperform. But I just think over a season, especially with the early fixtures, that I just don't see them. So they're covering the likes of Salah and what Salah can do when he's looked quite sharp in his preseason. So I sort of, I mean, good on the people that are sort of trying something different, but I, I'm just not sure whether I'd be able to go without Salah. Um, what are your thoughts on Salah, mate? Yeah, look, I think it's it's brave, the ones that are going without Salah. Um, you know, there's there's not really a right or wrong um but i'd just say you know be cautious if you're going without him because you know everyone's different i like to pick my players based on you know who who scores like for example sorry not who scores but i mean who's the main uh source of goals for you know for those clubs like you mentioned with spurs kane and son are the main source of goals for us if you look at liverpool you know salah gets the bulk of their goals year in year out i know mane did as well um but Salah just gets so many goals. He's still on the pens. Um, okay, the end of his season was, was underwhelming, but he did have the AFCON, uh, which I think tied him out. Um, but yeah, he's look, looking absolutely ripped again in Ian preseason. Um, you know, I can see him. And everyone's got to remember last year in the first half of the season, he had a good preseason under his belt and he absolutely dominated in that first half of the season. And I can see a similar sort of thing again. Um, and I don't think we'll see a drop off in the second half of the year uh, with Salah because he doesn't have a World Cup. So, um, yeah, I think he's Liverpool's main source and main route to goals now. Uh, and one reason why I think it would be difficult to go without him, um, you know, compared to previous, um, you know, seasons where there was at least having Mane as an option is there is no Mane there. Um, you know, before we'd see Salah and Mane, you know, Salah wouldn't pass the ball to Mane or Mane wouldn't pass the ball to Salah or vice versa. And you know, Mane's not there now, like you said before. So I think, um, yeah, I think Salah's just, just going to, He's going to get more chances. He's going to have more shots on goal. And um, yeah, I think he's the the man to have still, even at 13 million. Um, And there's a reason he's 56.5% selected at the end of the day. 
Yeah, no, definitely. And also, if Nunez does get off to a good start, guess who we pass in the ball? It's going to be Salah. So, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, like you know, it's not just the goals with Salah; it's the assists, um, and and being a pen taker as well. Um, like last year, he got the most assists in FPL, didn't he? Um, yeah, he got the most assists. He got the joint most goals with um, with Son. Um, so yeah, he's he's well worth the money, and you can you can captain him most weeks. You, know, you yeah. always want to try and have. Um, you know, in my opinion, at least, you know, three or four captains in your lineup and he's one of them and he's fixture proof as well. He, he scores against any team in the league. Um, yep. So yeah, for me, I think um, he, he's one of the, he was the first name on my team sheet. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think also if you're not going with Sally, you definitely need to have Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah. I think he is just going to do what he does most seasons and, you know, provide assists. Um, he's on free kicks. I just think that, um, you know, there was sort of the, I guess, the Trent versus Robertson at the end of the season where Robertson did actually have some good returns. But I still think Trent has the higher upside than Robertson. Yeah, I agree. I think being on um, those set pieces, uh, I think Trent does edge it, you know, that extra 0.5. But, yeah, I think Robertson did miss a bit of the season with an injury at the start. So, you know, his, his total points are probably a little bit skewed from last year. Um, yeah. You know, he could have ended up with a lot more if he didn't have that knock at the start. But I think um, right now, just to start with, I think it's a it's a good start to start with uh, Trent just for that edge of the uh, the set pieces because we, we know how well he can strike a ball. Um, and he does obviously take corners. But then, you know, we've seen Robertson. You know, he can also take the outswinging corners uh, on the other side. But, yeah, if I had to pick between the two, I'd probably say Alexander-Arnold edges it. But, you know, again, it could be another season where you end up doubling up on those fullbacks if they're fit every week. No, definitely. And sort of, obviously, Diaz and Nunez both good picks, but I've got one pick that I'd like to uh, discuss with you, mate. So I'm looking at Canate. So Mm. I have a feeling he's going to be first choice over uh, Matip like David likes to call him, <laughs> um, this season. So I thought last season, because obviously he only signed last season, he kind of had a bit of a slow start of the season. And then obviously by the time I guess he he was ready was when the Champions League started. So they will put him in the Champions League. And because of how well he did, I guess they sort of kept him sort of constantly just playing the Champions League instead of playing week in, week out in the league. So I think this season... They're actually going to start with Canate and offset pieces and off corners and, and the likes. I think that, you know, he's going to bag a few goals. And I think at his price at 5.0 for a sort of, I guess, a, a second buy into that Liverpool defence, I think um, he would be a very handy pickup and a bit of a smoky for the season. <laughs> you know what? If he does get the start, um, he'll be a great pickup. And I'll tell you why. I, I had him in. So I played the Champions League fantasy last year and Canate played pretty much every minute in the uh, in the Champions League uh, for the most part. Um, he was phenomenal. The amount of goals he scored, the amount of points he was getting from, they do the ball recoveries in the um, in the Champions League and he was, yeah, he was an absolute monster. He was brilliant and um, yeah, he was scoring most uh, most match weeks in that. So yeah, I think you're right. If, if you know, this is, he's coming into his second season, he had a good debut season, you know, maybe it's time to, to partner him with Van Dijk, you know, two absolute beasts at the back and I think now, if he does come in that team at five mil, um, yeah, an absolute set piece threat. And that's where, you know, the likes of Trent and Robertson become even more valuable because they're going to be the ones swinging those corners and, and free kicks in. So, um, yeah, if, if he was to get the start every week, 
um, over Matip. Um, oh, God, that would be an absolute bargain at 5 million. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm not too sure um, if Klopp's going to make that change. But yeah, you never know. Like we said, it's his second season. So, you know, maybe maybe he's ready to do that and then give Matip the, um, you know, the Champions League games this year. But again, Matip was just so good last season for Liverpool. Um, you know, and we've seen that with his price in FPL. He's gone up to 6 mil. Um, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not sure if Klopp will make that change. But yeah, I think if he does, then yeah, you're right. He's definitely one. One to uh, to have on our uh, on our radar because I think what last season um, a tip got uh, one hundred and seventy points. So I feel like if Canate was getting similar minutes in the Premier League, I think you're looking at maybe a ceiling of about two hundred points, which you know is a really good um, point return for a fullback. Oh yeah, it'd be it'd be unbelievable. Um, yeah, he'd be good, Canate. Uh, Sorry, do you mean centre back for Canate or? Um... Ah, uh, centre back, yeah, 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 centre back, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it, it'd be good. Um, but yeah, I think you like, I think he'd have the potential to get maybe the same sort of points as a fullback if um, if he was playing every week. So I think you're right. His aerial threat is, um, yeah, it's just phenomenal. And we and we saw that in the uh, in the Champions League last year. Yeah, no, definitely. I think you got me onto him because you're talking about him in our group chat, and I ended up getting yeah. him for the Champions League. And, <laughs> yeah, very fruitful few weeks when I got him in. Oh, well, we might uh, move on to the biggest club in London uh, next match. <laughs> um, I hope Damo's listening. Um, so we'll just, I'll quickly brush through the transfers and then I might just get you to talk mm. about a few of the players. So they end up getting Spence eventually, which I think is a pretty decent signing. Uh, you got Langlet, Richarlison, uh, Basuma, uh, Fraser Forster, and uh, Ivan Perisic. So... I think he's actually had a really good transfer window. You sort of bought what you needed. You didn't sort of just buy players just to buy players. I think there were some really handy signings there. But um, just looking at their fixtures, I've had a look. 26 to 38 is their best fixture run, and then 22 to 25 is probably their worst fixture run, which isn't that bad. And similar to the likes of Manchester City and Liverpool, a lot of their bad fixtures are sort of spread out, so you can actually sort of invest in these assets and hold them for you know most of the season. But I might get you just to talk about Spurs and how you think they're going to line up and, uh, yeah, what will happen for them this season. Yeah, look, obviously it's a great time to get on the pod because Spurs are one of the teams. So, um, yeah, happy about that. Um, yeah, obviously you mentioned the, um, you know, the six sign-ins so far. Um, yeah, I think... I think you hit the nail on the head. They're all signings that, you know, I think they're all going to add something in their own way. And the one thing that we've lacked and, and Spurs have lacked is quality of squad depth. Um, you know, say, for example, we've always just had Harry Kane and there's never really been anyone in. Um, you know, we could never take Kane off with 20 minutes to go or we can never say, look, Kane, you know, we got Norwich this week. Um, let's put you on the bench and rest you. Um, you know, we've never really had the option, but there's been patches where we had Lorente, we've had uh, Vinicius and, and, you know, here and there, but um, and Vincent Janssen, you know, who, you know, they, they weren't great. And now we've got Richarlison who, you know, he's going to come in there and he can, you know, he can rotate with Kane, but he can also play either side of Kane as well or play in a front two with Kane. Um, so I'm really happy with that signing. He's Premier League proven. Um, he's a Brazilian international, leads the line for Brazil. So I think that's a really good sign in Richarlison. Um, we've got Clement Longley as well. 
Um, I think it's another really shrewd bit of business. Obviously, he's only alone, so I don't think he was the first choice signing in that position, but he'll play in that left um, centre-back position, which is where Ben Davies has uh, been playing under Conte. And we saw how good Ben Davies did under Conte. Um, his career looked like it was it was kind of over at Spurs. And, yeah, Conte's just turned it around. And I think Longley um, can come in, and I think he's going to be good. He's got good height. He's good on the ball. Um, he suits a back three more than what he does a back two. I think he's been caught out quite a bit when he's been in a back two at times. Um, I yeah. think when you put a defender like him in a back three, um, you know, it'd be a lot more comfortable with the likes of Romero and Dyer there. Um, Basuma, brilliant signing. I think for me, he's one of the best of the lot. Um, such a good ball-winning midfielder, um, but he's also very good on the ball. He can carry the ball well. Um, you know, it's going to be a very big call, but it kind of gives me a bit of the um, when Conte signed Kante at uh, Chelsea from Leicester. Yeah. So Kante coming to the Premier League, he did his year. Obviously, Leicester won the league. He was one of the players of the season. Then Chelsea signed him the next year, and Basuma kind of gives me that feel. Um, you know, I know it's, it's um, you know, Kante's gone on to, to achieve a lot in the game, but I just think Basuma is just such a good midfielder. Um, and a lot of the Brighton fans I've spoke to, they just they hold him in such high regard. Um, and then we've got Fraser Forster, solid backup keeper, was brilliant for Southampton last year. We saw in FPL what a good goalkeeper he was uh, for Saints in that sort of second half of the season. Um, did really well. I remember that that one game against Arsenal when Southampton won 1-0 and Forster was just unbelievable. Um, yeah. Good for the English quota as well. Um, so it's always good to have a, a backup goalkeeper that you know we can rely on. Yeah. Um, then we've got we'll go to even Perisic. God, there's so many signings, <laughs> so many signings. <laughs> um, also, we're going to make a lot of sales as well, I think. But yeah, Ivan Perisic again. I think he's another great signing. I know he's 33, but you know this guy's. You know he's got. I think he's got quite a few years left in him. He's he's mega fit. Um, you know he's in great condition. So versatile as well. He's two-footed. So the good thing about Perisic, um, I think he's naturally, it could be the other way around, but I think I heard he was naturally right-footed, but prefers to take penalties with his left foot. Uh, Similar to what Pavel Nedved used to be, where everyone thought he was left-footed, but he was actually naturally right-footed, but preferred to take set pieces with his left. And I think Perisic is quite similar, um, where he can play on that left-hand side. So he can play on the left uh, sort of wing-back role, or the left forward position. And then what he can do is just go either side of the defender, whether it's out on his left foot, tends to cut in a lot on his right foot and just bend the ball ball uh, think, towards the goal. So do you think with obviously the a lot of um there was a lot of noise about how Emerson Royals sort of, I guess, ball delivery into the box was last season. Do you think mm. Perisic then because he's a quality passer, has really good passing ability it's going to sort of lift the floor of the likes of Kane and Son with his ball delivery. You know what? I think that's a really good point. Um, I think what he would do, um, which we lacked with because with Perisic, because it's not just going to be the left side. He can play. He can play on the right side as well because um, yeah. he's so versatile. So I think if he does nail down that fullback spot, which I think he will for the opening, I think if he plays this preseason game from the start this weekend, then he's going to nail one of the, the fullback positions. And for, at the moment, I think it could be on the right side yeah. Um, because Sessegnon's been playing all pre-season. But I think if Perisic does 
get those games, I think it will elevate um, Kane and Son because, yeah, his ball's in the box. It's going to be a you know, more accurate. Um, yeah, he's a quality player. We've all seen it. Every World Cup, every Euros at Croatia play. Um, we've seen it against England as well. You know, yeah. he turns up with a goal. He's just one of those players that just turns up with, you know, the big moments and he's got the experience. And I think he's he's going to elevate Sane, uh, Sane, Kane and Son. Um, yeah. He's going to elevate Kane and Son, um, you know, when he's, you know, attacking. But I think he's going to elevate the whole team. Um, I think it's going to be a really shrewd signing. Um, we know we're not going to get every single minute in game out of him, but I still think he's going to play a really important part in this season. So, um, yeah, really happy with Perisic. And then, yeah, did you want me to move on to Spence and quickly ch- chat about Spence? Yeah, I was actually just about to ask you a question about Spence. Looking at Spence, obviously he's coming a bit late compared mm-hmm. to obviously the other signings, but do you think there's a chance that he could become an early season option or do you think it's more after Christmas time he might see Spence start a few games and then maybe some any spot then? I think we're going to see him a bit later. He's a good price, four and a half, but I think we're going to see him a bit later. I remember when um, last season when Conte come in, and I know Sessegnon had his injury problems, um, but it took Conte a while to kind of trust Sessegnon and put him in the lineup. Uh, he went for the yeah. more kind of tried and trusted, you know, in Regulon. Um, yeah. And I think it will be the same with... Uh, with Spence, I think if um, you know if it's not Perisic who starts on that right hand side, you know you might look at the likes of um, Doherty, or there's even talks of Lucas Moura going in that position. Um, and I think someone like Spence is going to come into the team because I think he needs to obviously he needs to learn the Premier League. It's a huge yeah. step up. Um, he needs to learn the way Conte plays, Conte's system, the way Conte trains. Because it's yeah. going to be a completely different level to what he had at Forest and, and Middlesbrough where he was before. Um, I think we're going to bet him in. Conte's already said it's a signing for the future. Um, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd be very surprised if he's starting from day one. I think, again, like you said, it's someone that will you know, come into the team. Um, you know, He'll work his way into the team. He'll have to prove himself to get into the team. Um, and he'll probably get those those cup games to begin with. But you know, if he shows form... Um, and get so starts. We know what Conte can do with fullbacks. So, yeah, he's a very, very exciting player. Uh, championship player of the year. Looks like he's got all the attributes to be, you know, a really good fullback. But, yeah, I don't think he'll start the season. Yeah. Well, we might just touch on a couple of the assets that we're looking at or that I'm looking at. And obviously, you can touch on who you like. But at the moment, I'm sort of Kane's my number one option. And just because I think I've told you for the last few weeks is he just looks just outstanding and, and we're seeing the Conte Kane that we saw the back end of the season start the season and like you said um, was it the 2021 season where you know he was just scoring goals for fun at the start of the season I think that you know we're going to see the Harry Kane of that season and I think you know him and Son are both going to score well but I just think that Kane's going to hit the ground running um, and then also, um, when we talk about Sessegnon, I think he's a good option as well at that 4.5 if he does nail down that wing spot because he showed last season that when he does start, you know, he's very attacking. So I think he's another option. And uh, Kulicheski's looked really good, but, you know, at the moment, I'm just probably going to be going with the one Spurs asset. But um, is there anyone that you're looking at or anything you'd like to add on sort of those assets I spoke about? 
Yeah, look, I think obviously Harry Kane, well, you, you know, you, I think everyone knows my, who knows me knows how much I love Harry Kane and, you know, and what a player he's become. Um, you know, under Conte, it's just, it's going to be scary, I think, what, what he can do next season because I think when Conte come in, Kane got 15 league goals yeah. um, in 26 games and I think it was about 11 assists. Um, you know, around that range, it, it was just insane stuff. And if, you know, you'd put it over a season, you know, you'd be looking at the sort of numbers he got in that uh, 20 to uh, 21 season under Mourinho where he got the golden boot, you know, he was one of the top scoring FPL players. And, you know, and, and I think we could see a season like that next year. The only thing that could go against Harry Kane next season is this World Cup because he's a captain of England. He's going to have the whole country on his shoulders. Um, yeah. You know, you expect England will, you know, get out of the group, you know, and at least go quite, you know, potentially go quite deep into the tournament. So that could potentially go against him. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think he's just looking sharp in preseason. Uh, you know, there is this talk of, oh, you know, he doesn't score in August, but I think that's a, that's about four years old now, that that myth. Um, <laughs> you know, we all saw that that um, 2021 season under Mourinho where uh, he started the season, second game in Southampton. I think he got 20 plus points. Then there was a game at Old Trafford, which we won 6-1, which, sorry, I had to add that in there. But <laughs> Kane again, I think got 19 plus points that week. And it was just, it was just phenomenal stuff. So, um yeah, Kane's a scary prospect this season under Conte. And Conte has already said this a few times, is he sees Kane. Obviously, he's now this player that drops back. Uh, and he does do that a lot in the game. He'll pick the ball up from deep. He'll play it in through to Son or Kulazewski. But Conte yeah. still always said, for a large portion of the game, I like to see Kane in the box um, as a box player, you know, scoring those goals, you know as a natural yeah. number nine as opposed to this, you know, number sort of 10 that he's become. So, um, yeah, scary, scary prospect. Um, so, yeah, he's very exciting. And then, you know, 11 and a half million, I think is a pretty good price for him. I think if he didn't have that bad start to last year, he probably would have been about 12 mil because um, we've seen him at 12 and a half, I think, before. Um, and then as for Sessegnon, I think four and a half million is a good price. Um yeah, Conte really liked him at the end of last season. And we saw those games, the one at Anfield, where he got the assist for Son. Um, he had a brilliant game that day. Um, and if it wasn't for, you know, the Liverpool's uh, deflected goal, um, Sessegnon was probably going to come away with a big score that day. And um, yeah. he didn't, but he still, you know, still got himself an assist. He got a couple of other assists after that. Um, we kept a lot of clean sheets. Um, yeah, he's, he's one that, at this stage, I'd say he's possibly going to start the season. He's, he, Conte likes his players that have been there the whole preseason from first day to end. Um, yeah. You know, the ones that are fit and that are ready to go. And I think, you know, if he can keep himself injury-free, he, he might not be a bad option to sort of start the season with. But, yeah, one thing I will say with Spurs fullbacks is um, there will be rotation during the season amongst these players but I think we're going to see this amongst all of the top most of the clubs especially teams in sort of the top six that are in the European places especially yeah. because this year there is the five sub rule and Conte when he was at Inter Milan I think used that five sub, sub rule nearly every single week during sort of the COVID period and I can see him doing that again this year 
for the most part, because we do have a World Cup and he's going to want to keep players as fresh as he can, um, especially with this hard fitness regime that he's been doing. So, um, yeah. yeah, two two good picks there, Q. And I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I think Sessegnon could um, could be a good one to sort of start with. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting one. Do you think, um, I know you mentioned about the World Cup later in the year, do you think the ideal t- uh, time to target Kane is this early season because he's going to be in form heading into the World Cup and then possibly after the World Cup is when you maybe look elsewhere, whether you go to a Son or whether you go to sort of like a Haaland or someone like that. I think now's a great time. I think Kane's good to have at any time, but yeah, I think this is the time to attack Kane. This is the time to target him. I think whilst he's, you know, probably going to be at his freshest He's had a break. Um, you know, he's, he's probably going to be as fresh as his first half of the season. Um, yeah. yeah, I'd say you're right there. It's probably the time to target him. Um, target him ahead of Son. Yeah, at the moment, it's if you can fit. Obviously, it's so hard to fit both. But, you know, if you can fit both, it. I just I can just see them both doing really well. I've got a preference as to who I want in my team, um, yeah. whether or not I'll, you know, I might might sort of say that on on the pod at some stage today. I've got a preference as to which one I want between the two. Um, I think it's viable to have both for that Saints fixture, um, yeah. but then obviously as this you know with the, with the prices of some of these other players, you know De Bruyne, Haaland, um, you know Salah, you know you might you might then need to sort of change that up and then just pick one of them. But um, yeah, I think Kane is is definitely going to be uh, his, his sort of you know peak for this first half of the season before the World Cup. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, we might move on to our next team, which is Wolves. So looking at their transfers, it's very grim. So we've got the Nathan Collins <laughs> from Burnley in defense. But, you know, I probably would have liked to see another attacking player possibly join um, Wolves. But from how they've been going in this preseason, I'd say that, you know, they probably don't need an attacking assets. They've been actually looking really good. But we might just touch on their fixtures before we sort of get into mm. talking about them. But, you know, the best fixtures, best time to probably target Wolves are week 11 to week 20, then 23 to 29, and their worst fixtures are sort of smack bang in between uh, week 7 and week 10. So, you know, I think you can start the season with Wolves. Um, around that wild card team, you can probably hop off Wolves, but then mm-hmm. obviously um, around sort of, just before the World Cup and after the World Cup is probably a nice little time to sort of go back on your Wolves assets. But, you know, talking about Nathan Collins, you know, he's a, he's a solid defender. He's looked actually quite good in the preseason in the games that he has played. And, you know, he's probably a nice little addition to, to the defensive line where they started the season last last year really good defensively, but obviously fell off towards the back end of the season. But, you know, I think that they you know, it will probably be similar this year. They're not a team that's going to score a lot of goals, but they're a team that sort of pride themselves on, you know, gritty defensive efforts. So I think, you know, he might be a nice little option there at four and a half million for people that are sort of looking to buy into that uh, Wolves defense. But um, what are your thoughts on Wolves this season, mate? Is there anyone that you like or that you're looking at? Yeah, there is. There is a Wolves. I'm a little bit cautious because... You know, for those that followed me last year, they know that first half of the season, I put a lot of faith into Wolves, um, a lot of faith. And I kind of got them, I think it was game week five to maybe game week sort of nine, where they, it was when they lost to Brentford, I think in the fifth game week, and they just, 
started to leak goals and I'd, you know, I'd gone hard on the Wolves defence. And then they had that run after when I took the Wolves players out and they went on all these clean cheats. And it was like, I saw what they were going to do, but probably saw it a little bit too early. Um, so I'm a little bit stung from that from Wolves and cautious, but there is still players and keep my eyes on. Um, I think Collins is an interesting one because Semedo has, has got quite a bad hamstring injury. So will they then play Collins in that right back position, which Burnley did, and he was a goal threat. Um, yeah. He was a goal threat from set pieces, but he also had that, um, there was that goal against Southampton towards the end of the season. It was an absolute cracker from um, from long range. So he can hit a ball as yeah. well. So he's only four and a half. So if it looks like he's going to get the starts, he could be good. But then, you know, it's just whether or not are they actually going to maybe play that Johnny at uh, fullback, at right back, and maybe go A. Nori at left back instead. Um, yeah. So when, again, we just need to know who's going to play. But, you know, if we can get one of those who, you know, we know is going to start, they could be quite good. Like Johnny ended the season really well for Wolves. Um, yeah. Really and he's attacking. actually quite good during the preseason as well. Yeah, yeah. So like... If we think he's nailed at left back over, say, eight Nori, because I've still got nightmares over eight Nori when he was getting rotated at the end of the season. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't mind Johnny if he's going to get the minutes. Um, and then if Collins nails down this right back spot while Samedo's injured, then, you know, he can make it his own. Also got Kilman in there as well, but I know, I think Johnny can can go into a back three too. So, yeah, if we, if we can just get one of those four and a half mil defenders sort of who's going to be nailed then they could be quite an addition good addition for this um you know this opening spell of the season with the the Leeds game the Fulham game uh, yeah Bournemouth in there the Saints in there um so there's some good options and then um you know you obviously still got Saar in goal who's one of your you know I know he's one of your favorite goalkeepers in the game isn't he Q Saar yeah it's a it's a controversial topic in our group <laughs> chat mate uh-huh. <laughs> but um I think that I still believe that Saar, if you're starting the season, I still think he's the best Wolves defensive asset if you're wanting to obviously spend the $5 million on goalkeeper because I still think around that price with Pope and Ramsdale, you know, I think he just edges both of them as sort of a better option. But, you know, some people are definitely going the 4.5 keeper, so I can understand people not wanting to invest that extra mm-hmm. 0.5. Yeah, no, I agree. I think... Um... Sasha, what a good goalkeeper he was last year. Um, but I think, yeah, we've just got, we're just so spoiled for choice for goalkeepers this year that, you know, you, I think you've got to be a real uh, loyal Sar fan to, to want to pick him over some of the other goalkeepers, which you are. So you might end up, <laughs> you might end up with him in, in, uh, in your team. Um, yeah, no, nah, it's definitely uh, been in and out of my drafts, mate. So <laughs> yeah, you'll triple captain him. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but also, I might just touch on a couple of standouts of the preseason. Mm. The last few weeks is um, Neto and Potence and also mm-hmm. Dendonka as well. I think them three mm-hmm. have Dendonka, really yeah. stood out. Like Dendonka, I think they deployed him as a defensive midfielder, uh, but he was getting forward and creating heaps of chances in their last game. And then Neto is just, you know, looking fit, uh, looking fit and um, Potence as well, both of them working well together instead of just – they, I think the last game they won 4-0, both got on the score sheet and just hammered the goal and um, probably should have had a lot more goals between them too. But, you know, they've looked really good this preseason. But I know you're a bit of a Neto fan, mate. Is it, you know, <laughs> are you liking what you're seeing or are you sort of still waiting for, you know, to pull the trigger? I love Bedro Neto. 
And when his price come out in FPL, and you know, some people might not believe me, but he was one of the, you know, from say say if I had a list of ten players, he was right towards the top of players on my list for prices I was looking out for because I knew how bad you know I'd seen we'd all seen that he had real bad injury record last year, um, but we saw how good he was um, before that, how threatening he was. And he was one of the first players I was ready to keep an eye out because I thought Wolves don't score many goals. So when they do, their main source of goals is usually from maybe one or two players. And when he yeah. was fit, it was usually him. I remember that game against Chelsea uh, in the lockdown season and he just turned on its head. He, he was just brilliant. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really liking him for five and a half million. I just think it's, you know, like you said before, he's looking sharp in preseason. He's getting goals. Um, I think he's a really good asset. You know, if Wolves are going to produce goals and have games, you know, win games and, you know, score a goal or two, I think he's he's just going to be involved, like with a goal or an assist. He's just he's just a busy player. He's on yeah. the ball a lot. He's good on the ball. Um, he's a tricky player. Um, he's got an eye for goal. Um, I just think he's such a good price at five and a half mil. If he can stay fit, obviously. Um, yeah. You know, it's again though when you're buying a player for five and a half million, he's not someone you're looking at and you're thinking, all right, you know, you've got to remember he's still a five and a half million asset. So you might get a goal out of him one week, and then two, three weeks of not really doing anything. But he's he's that enabler that's in there to obviously enable you to spend money elsewhere. But he's someone that you can throw in every now and then off your bench, or you know, put in your team with the hope that you know if Wolves do score, it's probably going to be him involved in it. So. I really like him. I really like Podence as well. Um, I think Neto just has a bit more of a cutting edge to him. Um, yeah. But yeah, really, really liking him. And even on Wolves' list of players, you know, see Adama's back in there, who <laughs> I have a bit of a, um, a soft spot for, which a lot of people um, disagree with. But I don't know what it is about that player because he's the complete opposite in his style <laughs> of play to how I like to play the game. But um you know, he's back in the game. And then Huang's in the game as a, as a midfielder now as well at six mil. So whether or not, you know, he could potentially be a sort of out of position uh, asset because he's six mil, he's a midfielder. You know, will Wolves maybe play him in a, in a two with Jimenez or maybe in a three with Jimenez and Neto? Yeah. Um, because Fabio Silva's not an option anymore because he's gone. Uh, yeah. He's gone on loan. So, um, you know, if we look at the forwards in the game for Wolves, They've only got Jimenez right now um, as an actual forward. So, um, you know, the likes of Huang, uh, Neto and Podence are probably the, um, you know, and also Trincao's gone as well. So, um, yeah, there's some interesting um, interesting assets in that sort of midfield position for Wolves. And I think, yeah, Neto's probably the one that, that uh, is winning it for me. Yeah, no, nah, definitely. And, um, yeah, I probably wouldn't be going as Jimenez as a, an asset at the moment just um you saw last season you know quite a boring asset he'll score a goal every now and again but just you know the bare minimum he'll get the goal but he won't get bonus anyway he won't do anything else so not post that's post head injury Jimenez post head injury Jimenez is um is not the same Jimenez as pre-injury Jimenez who was just an unbelievable FPL asset um but sadly yeah post head injury he's um yeah, he's just not quite been the same, has he? Um, no. But yeah, it's a good price this year. It would, it would be good if he could, you know, get back to the old him and his ways, and it'd be an absolute bargain. It'd be a bit of a throwback to when, 
Jimenez first come in the league, um, you know, and he was just absolutely on fire for most weeks. And, you know, he's kind of gone back to the old Jimenez pricing, but yeah, yeah I don't, I don't think he's, um, he's going to be in too many lineups. No. Well, we might get on to um, the second biggest club in uh, London, uh, West Ham. <laughs> so looking um, at their transfers this season, they've actually had some decent transfers. Um, Flynn Downs, which, you know, is almost sort of similar to like a Rice-type player, um, doesn't do a lot of fancy stuff, but just a really, really good, solid uh, defensive midfielder. Uh, you got uh, Nafer Gerd or... Agurd, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. I'm probably going to get uh, crucified, but um, looks like a Aguer- It looks like it reads like a Guerrero, so a Guerd, a Guerd, maybe. I'm yeah, not sure. I'm you not could sure. be on to something, but um, <laughs> he's injured at the moment, so I'm not sure when he's going to be back. So you know, a good signing, but um, did a bit of a scout report uh, on my trusty YouTube. So. Um, <laughs> Great offset pieces, good aerial threat, reads the game well, great positioning. He actually stays on his feet a lot in the box, which, you know, is very good because he's not going to be giving away pens and, you know, passes pretty comfortably out of the back, which they probably didn't get last season. I mean, Zuma was all right, but I think Dawson at times was a little bit shaky. Um, Has great long-distance passing ability, which is going to be very good for the likes of Antonio and Bowen Mm -hmm. because – Antonio does like making that sort of delayed run behind the defensive line where he can kind of, you know, get a quick 20, 20 metres on the defence um, off good balls and also bow and cross it over as well, doing sort of similar stuff. So I think he's when he is playing, he's going to be a really good asset for him. But um, looking at they've uh, signed uh, Areola on a uh, full-time deal, so not just the loan deal now. They've got him permanently there. And uh, Skamaka, so... Um, their latest signing, which just went through today, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. What can you tell me about Skimaka, Matt? Because I, I sort of I haven't got to do my sort of YouTube scouting mission, but I know that he <laughs> did score a good amount of goals last season. Yeah, he got 16 goals in uh, in Serie A um, for Sassuolo. Um, yeah, they reckon he was um, was brilliant for, for them. Uh, led the line well. He's a big lad. I think he's he's about six foot five. He's only twenty three. Uh, capped by Italy as well. Um, it's a really exciting, um, really really exciting uh, move for West Ham. Looking at his career, it does look like he's had a lot of loan moves. Um, you know, but at Sassuolo uh, last season, he was it looks looks like he was more settled um, for that season. And you know, he got thirty six games in, and he, he you know he got sixteen goals. So um, you know, just under. Um, nearly a goal sort of every other game there. So um, I think it's a really good... Uh, West Ham need another centre-forward. Like Antonio obviously was brilliant for, you know, that opening period of the season. But, you know, he they, they need, you know, he ran out of steam. They've they've been crying out for, a, you know, a new forward for a long time. Um, I know a lot of West Ham fans might, you know, be a bit worried. He could turn out to be a bit like, you know, maybe Sebastian Haller. But, um, you know, West Ham have got a pretty good... Um, relationship with uh, Italian players, obviously Paolo Di Canio back in the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he, uh, he's an interesting one. Seven million. I think it looks like FBL have, have uh, put him down at, which it's a really good price. When you look at, um, when you look at the sort of way West Ham play, they do create a lot of chances. Um, you know, we saw that with Bowen and Antonio getting on the end of a lot of chances last year. So 
yeah, it's a good price, cheaper than Antonio. And, um, you know, I think for the price West Ham are buying him for, he's, you know, he's, he's going to be getting games. So, um, yeah, it's an exciting one. It's a really exciting signing. How do you think this is going to impact um, Antonio? Do you think that we're going to see a bit more rotation up front during the season? Yeah, I I feel like they're going to have to, you know, they may, um, they're going to find a way to start this guy, I think. I just, I think he's just, I don't think he's going to come into West Ham to kind of play second fiddle to anyone. I think he's, you know, just from how highly rated he actually is, um, in Italy, and you know, it, you know, I've, I've seen some stuff there online with people saying, "Oh, you know, well, if he's that good, why do only West Ham want him?" But you know, that's actually a bit of a like that's that's not necessarily true. I'd heard like even Spurs were linked with him at one stage. Obviously, we've got a lot of Italian connections, um, but it does sound like he he doesn't want to play second fiddle when he wants to start every week. So who knows? They might find a way for both of them, um, you know, in there. Um, David Moyes might find a way. Antonio. You know, he can play in a number of different positions as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting. I think he'll, he might potentially lead the line this season. He's, he's a big signing for West Ham. And I think they need to get it right. They need to give him games because, yeah, their, their track record of strikers has been pretty poor for quite a while now. So, um, yeah, I think they need to, to get this guy up and running. Yeah, no, definitely. We might just look at their best fixtures. So their best fixtures are week 7 to 11. So... You know, they're going to kick it off with Newcastle, which, you know, is a harder fixture this season. But I still think that that's, you know, a good fixture for West Ham. Then you got Everton, which they've been horrible. you got <laughs> Wolves, who don't really sort of attack too much defensively. Defensively, they'll be a lot harder. Um, you got Fulham, who could be anything. They could be very horrible or they could be a very good attacking team by sort of week week 10. But And then they finish it with Southampton, who obviously haven't had the greatest of pre-seasons and, you know, always a little bit defensively shaky. But um, I think it's a decent run to target your West Ham players and it's perfect timing sort of around that sort of window for people using the the early wild card. Um, and then obviously touching on the hardest fixtures is week 12 to 14. So got Liverpool, got Bournemouth, which isn't too bad. Then you got Man United. So, you know, most of their fixtures are sort of not really grouped too badly. I think there is a and also a Chelsea and Spurs grouped mm-hmm. together in week 23, 24 that, you know, would be quite difficult as well. But, you know, most of their fixtures are pretty spread out. And I think, you know, for me, the probably two assets that I'm looking at is maybe Creswell and Bowen for that mm-hmm. sort of week seven period. But, you know, outside them, it's probably going to have to be a bit of a wait and see, see what happens with the likes of Antonio and uh, Skimaka. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, what about you, da- uh, sorry, Matt? <laughs> I was about to say Damo. One thing I'm certainly not is a West Ham fan, so um, I'm definitely not. Uh, I'm definitely not Damo. <laughs> sorry, Damo. I'm not a West Ham fan, um, but I do like some of West Ham's assets. I'll say that I like Bowen. Unbelievable season last year. I just look at him and I think eight and a half million for someone who in in the game last year. I know people say, "Oh, you can't always look at." You know, what happened last season it's a new season but you've got to look at what happened last season that's that's the latest information we've got Bowen was a third top scoring midfielder last year at West Ham um above De Bruyne above Saka above Sterling above Mason Mount um above Bruno Fernandes above Phil Foden you know yeah. all these these big names he outscored and he's only eight and a half million 
Um, it's just, I think it's, I think it's a bargain. It's such a good price. Um, you know, you talk about fixtures, West Ham, Man City in the first game. Bowen scored against Man City at the London Stadium last season, towards the end of the season. I think he got an assist in that game as well. He got a double-digit score. Yeah. Um, he's then got Nottingham Forest in game week two. Brighton at home. Villa away, a game that he got a really good score in last season as well. Then he plays against us at home, Spurs at home, Chelsea away, Newcastle home. Um, and then he's got a nice set of green in that sort of first 10 with Everton, Wolves, Fulham back to back at home. So like, I just think his price is just so good for what he does for West Ham, how influential he is. Um, I can see him being, um, I think there'll be a point in this season where he could potentially be a must-have player. I just think, I just, I just think Jared Bowen is is a really, really good option, and Cresswell as well. Um, you know, if West Ham can get back to, you know, score can continue scoring those set pieces, they're one of the best teams from set pieces in the league. Cresswell stays fit, and he's on them. He's another one at five million. He's in that sort of five million range. We saw how good he was in the uh, was it the twenty twenty one season. He was one of the yeah. best performing defenders that year. So, like, if we can get that Cresswell back again. Yeah, he, he's a great asset. So, yeah, I think those two, um, you know, sort of ones that catch my eye. And then, you know, I've seen there's been a bit of talk about four nows, um, you know, who's who's now going to get get more minutes um, potentially. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's someone that gets involved a lot. He does have the odd game where, you know, he could be a good enabler at five and a half million as well. So, yeah, I think West Ham have got a couple of... Uh, couple of good assets but yeah i think i think bowen's like you know people might disagree i just think he's just underpriced if anything do you think um the world cup heading into the world cup for bowen is going to be a bit of a factor because he's definitely you know he did make the the last england squad but do you think that that's going to be a bit more motivation so you could actually see you know similar early season bowen bowen as we seen last year Oh, 100%. I think he's going to want to get in that England squad. Um, you know, he's going to be training twice as hard right now. Um, he's going to want that place. You know, he's going to want to really prove himself week in, week out. So, yeah, I think a lot of people are sleeping on Jared Bowen. I know we've got so many good options um, that are at that eight mil range. Saka, Kvazeski, um Mason Mount, um, James Madison. But Bowen just... His, his numbers were ridiculous last season and he scores goals, consistently scores goals. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that England place is going to be, uh, be on his mind. And I think he's going to be a, uh, yeah, a real interesting asset to, uh, to potentially own in, in this uh, early run for West Ham. And I think um, that's going to be the biggest factor is that sort of 8.0 to sort of 9 million um, midfield is going to be sort of the determining factor on, you know, outside the template because, as I said on previous weeks, I think there's only about five to six plays that are really the template and then you're going to have to, you know, pick the right um, 8.0 midfielders and, you know, so many options of Kulicheski, Madison, Mount, uh, you've got Sancho, um, you even got sort of Martinelli a bit cheaper, obviously, but um, you've got Rashford, you know, you've got Bowen, like there's so many options. And then obviously you've got all the, the trio from Manchester City as well. So mm-hmm. I think it's just going to – it's it's very hard this season for the point that they've priced assets so well this year. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think the one thing I will say, and 
you know, you obviously, I am I'm probably feeling sounding a bit like Damien now because I'm really talking up West, West Ham and Gerard Bowen. <laughs> we don't um, but what point, I will mate, say, yeah, what I will say about Bowen at eight and a half million is you've got so West Ham, they finished, was it seventh last season? So they finished seventh last season. Uh, was it sixth the season before? Sixth or fifth and sixth the season before? You've got, he's West Ham's best player, um, playing in a top seven club. And he's their best route to goals, their best source of goals in a top seven club. And he's only eight and a half million. Yeah, I think it's just, it's, yeah, I think it's a steal. Um, yeah, really excited by that. And um, yeah, who's West Ham's penalty taker as well? Is it, but it's not Bowen, uh, though, is it? Is it Rice? Well, no, because it won't be noble uh, anymore. I think it might be Rice, possibly, or Antonio. Um, or Antonio. Actually, I think it's Antonio, because he in the early it. season, yeah. Antonio, he banged in a few penalties. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, I just think Bowen, like, yeah, you know, West Ham are, you know, these days they are at the top, sort of, you know, seven or eight club, and you're getting their best player, um, their standout player, who, if he repeats what he did last season, eight and a half million is going to be a steal and expect him to be better than last season with, um, you know, with him wanting to get in this, this England team. No, definitely. Well, we might move on to the last team of the pod, which is Leeds United. So just going through their transfers, you got uh, Lewis Sinistera, you got Tyler Adams, uh, Mark Rocker, uh, Rasmus Christensen, and then Brendan Aronson. So they've actually recruited quite well with the money that, they made from obviously the sale of Rafinha and uh, uh, Calvin Phillips. I think they've actually bought well, and I think they've bought in Rocker. I think as sort of the replacement for Phillips, but they also have Tyler Adams, who's actually looked quite good too in the preseason. So I think they're sort of, I guess, getting the two options there and seeing which one fits better. Um, and then obviously. You can't really replace um, Rafinha, but I think uh, Sinistera, mm. once he sort of finds his feet, I think he's going to offer sort of that, you know, attacking flair. And Aronson has sort of flashed as well in the preseason and looked quite well. And, you know, Rasmus Christensen, um, you know, I've watched a few videos of him. He's looked really good. Sort of the type of plays that these, I'll give you a bit of a scout, re- a, a quick scout review of these players. So mm-hmm. looking at... Um, where is it here? Sinistera. So from watching sort of some of his footage from last season, so very good on the ball. Looks like he can play wide. Um, he did play a bit of wide, bit of number 10. Uh, very composed in front of goal. So, you know, if he does get into the box, you know, he's very good at scoring goals. Very quick, very skillful, and a lot of similarities to Rafinha. Okay. And looking at... Um, the likes of Brendan Aronson, very clinical in the box, has great passing ability and very smart football IQ. So, you know, I think he's, you know, it could be a very underrated signing this season. I think I think it was the Villa and Leeds game in Australia where he flashed and looked quite creative and, you know, touching on Rasmus Christensen, very good on the ball, great defensively, loves to get forward, has an eye for goal, and um, he definitely will be um, starting week one, and I think he'll start the whole season. I can't see him losing his spot at all. And, yeah, those are probably the fantasy-relevant assets. Um, Mm -hmm. But is there anyone that you're sort of liking the look of or someone that you sort of got on your watch list for the season? Yeah, look, say from those transfers, 
I don't know huge amounts about too many of their um, their signings. Obviously, the, the two American players that you mentioned, um, you know, the ones that have come from, you know, say the Red Bull clubs, um, they they tend to always be, you know, good footballers. Um, you know, Sinistera sounds exciting as well, but um, yeah, I, I can't say too much about the new signings because. I don't know enough about them uh, compared to maybe some of the other club signings. Yeah. Um, so in terms of leads and players, I've got my eye on. Definitely not keen on too keen on any of their defense this year. I just I look at the way they ended last season. Um, I know there was sort of the Biesler period at the end where they were just shipping goals for fun, like so many goals. And I know yeah. Jesse Marsh, you know, did tighten up a, a bit towards the end, but. I just look at their defence this season and I just, I just don't know if there's anyone in there that, you know, they've got still got the likes of Furpo, uh, you know, they've got like Cooper's, a, you know, a, a solid pro, but, you know, how Premier League, you know, how, these defenders really Premier League material, like, there's just, just not sure they're going to be the best assets to own the season defensively. But if, you know, and then from their midfield, yeah, possibly some of these signings you mentioned. Um, but again, I, I don't quite know enough. I think the one that does stand out for me for Leeds is are we going to get the return of Bamford that we saw uh, when Leeds got promoted to the Premier League that first season? Yeah. Bamford was phenomenal. We always all remember that hat-trick against Villa. Um, you know, it was phenomenal. It was such a good price. Um, yeah, he's coming at seven and a half this year, um, which is a pretty nice price. Um, so I think he's a one that, you know, especially because with strikers, we've kind of got those premiums in like a Kane and a Holland, And then you've kind of got, you know, I know there's Nunes as well, but at 9 million, but you've kind of just got the best of the rest outside of that. And Bamford, you know, he proved it in that first year that he can score goals. We saw that he took penalties as well. And now Rafinha has gone, he won't be on pens. So Bamford will, will probably take his penalties back. Um, which he did take towards the end of that season from, uh, was it Click uh, or Kotcher who was taking them before? So, um, yeah, Bamford's probably the one from Leeds I've got my eyes on. Um, you know, a few people talk about Gellhart for five and a half million, but um, probably not really really too keen on the, on adding him to my team. But, yeah, Bamford, maybe if, if Harrison can hit sort of his first season in the Premier League form, you know, could potentially be tempted at some point because he's six million. But yeah, um, yeah, really, just uh, just Bamford for me, and I think the others definitely keep my eyes on some of these new signings because their prices are good. Um, you know, and I, and I think just like although I'm not, I said before, I'm not hugely keen on this this um, you know Leeds defense. Um, I really do like the keeper Messiah Messiah. I think he's a, he's a great stopper, but you know, I just I just can't see much from this this Leeds. Uh, defense, but you know, I think they um, they could be good to watch with Jesse Marsh. Um, he seems like he, you know, is a you know a decent coach. Um, but yeah, I think it's a bit of a wait wait and see for me. They've, they've just lost two absolutely brilliant players for them. Um, in saying that, Phillips was injured for most of last season anyway. But um, when they were good that first year under Biesla, they had uh, a fully fit Phillips and Rafinha anyway. So um, yeah, wait and see for me, but. Keeping tabs on Bamford. 
No, definitely. Well, I'll just quickly look at the sort of the fixtures. So they start the season, they've got Wolves, Southampton, which are, you know, two good fixtures, then a tough uh, match against Chelsea. But then you got Brighton, Everton, Brentford and Nottingham Forest. So I think that's not too bad of a start of the season if you were to take a punt on, you know, some of these assets, like whether it's a Christensen or an Aronson or, you know, a Bamford. I think you could possibly start the season with one of the assets. Um, but, yeah, definitely, um, as you said, Bamford's probably one to watch and to see um, how his fitness levels are and if he's going to be the player that, you know, we hoped he was going to be last season but then obviously had the bad injury. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Uh, well, we might, before we finish the pod, might just touch on how our sides are looking at the moment. So um, <laughs> at, the, <laughs> at the moment, um, I'm sitting with... Uh, surprisingly, I've got Sarri goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got Trent uh, in the back line, and I've got Trippier, Cancelo, Dello, and I've got Mount, Salah, Bruno, Gamares, Sancho, Jesus, Kane, and then obviously Neko Williams and Andreas on the bench with Taylor, who I think could actually be a, a bit of a, a sort of a sneaky shout as an enabler because I think that with the five sub rule that he's going to get some minutes this season and, you know, he mm-hmm. looked quite good scoring goals. But um, that's how my son's looking at the moment, mate. So draft number 45. What, what number are you on now? 45? Nah, Is that it? 45 rookie numbers. Pretty close. <laughs> rookie, rookie numbers. But with my side... I, uh, I'm I'm actually still on the first draft, and the people don't believe me. But I literally I open the app uh, when it's released. I make a team that I like the look of. I put Salah in first every single year, um, except the first season. But ever since he got that you know crazy first year, put him in, and then I build around it. Um, and then I I don't touch it other than uh, you know one or two tweaks where maybe. You know, a different enabler might come in there. But, yeah, look, I, I don't, um, you know, people that know me know I keep my team quite quiet. I'm in a number of uh, mini leagues with friends, paid mini leagues. But I'll give you a bit of an insight as to, you know, who's in my team at the moment. Um, so I do have Halland at the moment. I do have Halland. Um, I do have Pedro Neto. I do have Salah. And I've got... Trent Alexander-Arnold at the moment. Um, there's a few others in there that I'm undecided on. Um, I've got a bench of Nico Williams. Um, I think he could be, he's just going to be in a lot of teams at 4 million, I think, attacking fullback for Forrest. Um, yeah. Steve Cooper, the Forrest manager, um, he's known to be keeping very tight at the back. i got a feeling they could be similar to Sheffield United when they first got promoted. So he's in there. Um, got a good old Bailey, Leon Bailey. Obviously want to, player that I'd uh, spoken about on a few threads, you know, a few weeks back. Um, yeah, and that's kind of where we're, where we're at. There's a few other players I'm undecided on um, in defence. Um, you know, in goal, I'm still not too sure who I definitely want to have in goal. I like to wait until the last game week because I want to see, is there any more transfers? I like to look at the Community Shield, the last set of friendlies. And I think... Monday onwards is when I'll be getting to work and I'll be like, all right, what is this team going to look like? Like I've got the bare bones, Trent, yeah. Salah, Halland at the moment. That could change. Um, you know, they're kind of like my bare bones. I've got Nato in there as well. Um, yeah. And then the rest, you know, we'll see from there because yeah, there's a couple of players in there that, you know, kind of just in there from first draft and 
they're probably going to leave. So, um, yeah, it's shaping up quite nicely. Yeah, no, definitely. Sort of the three plays that are sort of still not probably nailed in my side are obviously Bruno Gamares, Dallo, and Ramsdale. Oh, not sorry, Ramsdale, sorry, Saar. So, you know, those are the three positions that I'm probably going to be rotating. I think I'm definitely going to start with, obviously, Sancho, Salah, and Mount in my midfield, just going to be who the fourth person is going to be. So, you know, still not fully decided. But, um, yeah, definitely I'm sure I'll set you for another six drafts by the end of the week. No <laughs> doubt. Um, but that wraps up our pod this week. So for all of our stuff, head over to FBL uh, underscore amateur underscore Oz for our Twitter. Um, our podcast will be on uh, Spotify, Podbean, Google, uh, Google Podcasts, and uh, iTunes as well. So um, thanks again, Matt, for coming on, mate. And um, I know you're excited about this season because you're sort of doing what you sort of did in previous seasons and sort of doing your own content again. So where can they find all your stuff, mate? Yeah, so you can find all of my stuff, FPL Matt Day. Um, so it's FPL Matt Day on Instagram and Twitter. Um, so, yeah, just find me on there. Um, there'll be a link tree, and it will give you access to all my different pages and content that will be coming out this season. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of differentials, a lot of threads, um, and just, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, of different FPL insights. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. No, definitely. And also you do have um, a home on our, our website now. Um, so you'll kindly enough uh, so that you do a sort of a weekly little uh, post for our website as well. So we'll sort of put the links up for that too once um, the season kicks off. And I know you'll be coming on the pod a few times this season as well. So looking forward to it, mate. Yeah, looking forward to it. And um, yeah, I'll promise the um, the blogs won't be too Spurs-centric. I'll... Uh... <laughs> You know, I'll try to keep it a bit neutral and obviously because I'm not going to be, um, you know, I'm not going to be uh, podcasting sort of on the, on the weekly this season, um, you know, with a, you know, a few other things uh, going on in the background. But I will um, obviously be on the, on this on this pod quite uh, regularly when I can as, as a guest. And, you know, as Q said, um, there is an about me section on uh, on his website. So, yeah, go and have a read if you want to. Um, yeah, if you want to read some uh, some uh, some Spurs facts, <laughs> and also um, keep an eye out on our Twitter. We'll be sort of doing the last lot of sort of preseason games and uh, sort of preseason recaps, and then obviously I've got about I think maybe eight uh, team previews left to do, which will be up on the website over the next sort of you know eight to nine days. So you can give them a look for um your your planning for your final sides, but um. We'll be back next week with um, sort of our sort of intro into the season pod and then Damo should be back for that. And also I think we might be doing a live stream uh, for Deadline as well. But, um, yeah, keep an eye out for on my channel and also Matt's channel.